1: What's up guys welcome into the OBR film breakdown it's Friday May 5th it's a little bit of a late release today but nonetheless I think there's some good topics to be had here as the Browns have been extremely active over the last uh, we put it back a week between the draft and now what they've done after the draft and Andrew Barry's interview he did here recently with ESPN Cleveland these there's quite a bit to still digest and chew on and when that happens, I like to bring in Andrew Spade. This is kind of franchise mode and a little, a little bit of a delayed release. Like we're an updating software system, Andrew. So yeah. we got it. We got yeah. a new update out, That's and right. we are, are ready to, to talk about the Browns, man. So what's happening? How are you? Yeah,
2: this is. The, I'm doing great, Jake. This is when you fire up your PlayStation. You're like, hey, I got an hour. I can play video games. And the thing yep. is, like, uh, the update will take two and a half hours to download. You're like, okay, well, I yep. guess I'll go do something productive a ham with my time. Or exactly. Yeah.
1: You know, like in the
2: meantime. Um,
1: <laughs> That's yeah, what that's what it. we're going to do. So we're going to talk about. Andrew wrote an article uh, this week that I thought was really fantastic with three uh, three solid points that kind of also bridge into what I wrote about Cedric Tillman. And I promised you guys once I do a deep dive on all these guys. Now I'm in the middle of a Siaka Ika which I guess I got to get used to calling him Apu because that's what he likes to go by. And maybe that's even what he's going to be his name to be written as because that's what the Baylor guys did. So we'll see about that. So Apu Ika, which is so fun to say, uh, studying his tape. So I'm in the middle of that, but I do want to talk about Tillman with you guys. And like I said, they kind of weave uh, the conversation about Tillman into Andrew's three points here. And we'll start with the first point. Andrew, give us the first point and then we'll riff off of that.
2: All right. So the first point is probably the, you know, you like to start strong, right? So this is probably the biggest takeaway from the draft. And, and, you know, the, the overall point of this article was teams tell you things about themselves in the draft because the, the months leading up to the draft, it's all smoke screens and you can't tell what's true and what's not. But when the rubber hits the road and they have to make draft picks or trade draft picks or trade for players, then the, it's the team telling you something about how they want to build their, uh, their roster. And so, um, you know, the first the first point was that Donovan Peoples-Jones probably doesn't see another contract in Cleveland, but Grant Delpit probably does because they drafted Cedric Tillman, 74th overall. And, you know, I think the, the, the post-draft analysis has been that this, this guy can be a starter in the NFL, probably would have been drafted higher if it wasn't for an injury. So is a player that they probably expect to, you know, at some point be a starter for them. And meanwhile, they did not draft a safety, uh, much to some fans' consternation. Uh, and then they only, you know, they signed Ronnie Hillman and, and um, what's the other guy's name from uh, Ohio State? I'm not thinking of it. Zach something. Um, uh, anyway, two two undrafted Ohio State safeties is the point. And those guys McAllister, probably... McAllister, right? Wasn't it Tanner is, McAllister? Tanner McAllister. I keep getting him yeah. confused with Zach McAllister, the Guardians pitcher from a few years ago. Uh, anyhow, um. so those guys aren't replacing Grant Delpit next year. I mean there's you know that's that's almost unheard of to go from a UDFA to starting in year 2. So um you know it feels like Grant Delpit is probably back. Now of course, you know they could go out in free agency and sign somebody else or they could draft somebody next year, but we're just talking about odds and what seems like is more likely. It seems like Donovan
1: Peoples-Jones is on his way out and it seems like Grant Delpit is a part of their future. I think that's beyond fair. I think the thing that's always interesting to me is the second they draft Cedric Tillman and you start to look like people can't, couldn't help themselves. Well, he's going to replace Donovan Peoples Jones. How about we just live in a world where we just enjoy Cedric Tillman, and then we'll see what they do with the other guys? Because it's like we have to have this rush of get rid of somebody uh, in in a, in a way that is just very knee jerk. And like I think that it's very fair though when you step back and look at it to to push it out and say, what does the construction of the wide receiver room look like? And really, with any of this draft stuff, because the Browns have made it clear that they're they go about the draft with the future in mind. And, and and this is the first example of that. And I know we're going to talk about another, but they clearly see that they have two wide receivers in interesting positions. Donovan is on the come up, right? And it uh, feels like if he has another year that pushes forward, what he did last year, it is a chance for him to get paid uh, as he should. If he pushes over a thousand yards, uh, on the other side of that is Amari Cooper, who's already been paid and had one great year. But think about this, and again, I don't like to wish evil on but uh, Amari Cooper's had injury issues in his career, so we're literally knocking on wood. But I think that what I'm saying is, Andrew, that after this upcoming season, it's very possible that things don't go as well for Cooper, and then the souring of that situation happens, and you see a guy set to make $20 million the next year, and you could see where if Cedric Tillman is who we think he is or shows enough flashes that you could see them looking at, okay, can he be the Z for this team or looking at drafting again? They'll have a second-round pick next year, uh, and you've got to fit Elijah Moore into that equation too. I just think there's a world where you want to think he's replacing Donovan Peoples-Jones, and I think it's logical because he is – Donovan plays X. That is where I think Tillman is best suited to arrive and play in the league, but if you watch what Cedric Tillman did at Tennessee, that offense was so – It was again, it's the most unique offense in the country in terms of I don't know if unique is good in this. It's very bland, but it's very formulaic and it works for Tennessee. A lot of stack alignments with these wide receivers. They like to do really simple things off of RPOs, wide receiver screens, some slants. He did a lot of vertical go routes. But off of that, we used to call those snap routes where guys were snapping off the route pushing vertical, snapping off the route at whatever designed length of, you know, people call them curls, uh, certain, certain, you know, I think Shanahan calls them like arrows. There's some different names in different playbooks, but they did that kind of snap off hitches and curls quite a bit with him. Other than that, some slants, Uh, but moral of the story for me is there's a lot of routes. He hasn't even shown he can or can't run. So maybe he develops in his first year and they see this guy, Oh, he has the ability to do some of the more unique over routes or, Double move, post corners, whatever, whatever. And he is actually more fit to play Z than we think he is. Um, you try to temper expectations. Again, the guy's taken 74th overall. He's not taken 24th. It's different. But I think there is a level of he could possibly be a bit more than what we think he is in terms of positional versatility is what I'm getting at. So I think you're right that the, he's going to step in for somebody. I don't think they're letting Donovan and Amari go. He's going to step in for one of them. Now the level of success, we'll, we'll see. It's it's tough for many guys to replace Amari Cooper, who I think is a pretty damn good player. And you can fit Elijah Moore into doing some of the things that Amari can do. But the angle for Tillman replacing one of them, and that's the, the beautiful part is he gives them options to do whatever they think they need to do because they have a bit of a fallback there and your point about Grant Delpit is is spot on too as we sit here because even you know what you're talking about there is is Donovan could make you know 10 12 million on extension I don't see Grant Delpit if he has a pretty good year now I, I could be wrong Grant Delpit could have an amazing safety season and be the most sought after at the position that's Certainly possible, but I don't think he's going to take one year of work and all of a sudden get Jesse Bates money. To me, like he could get Juan Thornhill money, and I feel like that's a a contract that Browns, even though the belt is tightening, that's a contract that they could afford, right, Andrew? Like I think that that extension of Delpit is cheaper than what an eventual extension of a guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones would be at the positional variance there. Am I right about that or wrong? What do you think? I agree with that. I mean, I think there's a there is a world in which uh,
2: Delpit goes out and has you know <laughs> a Pro Bowl season, and you know is is a top of the market safety. In which case, they could probably franchise franchise tag him, honestly, um, for and keep him for one more year and see if they can work something out long term. But uh, but I, no, I agree. I think most most likely distribution of his like uh, achievement this year is going to be you know a uh, a good but not, you know, pro bowl level safety that, um, you know, makes some plays, but also has a few lapses as we've seen in the past, but hopefully it's like the highs continue to be high, but the lowers get a little bit less low. <laughs> it would be yeah. my, my wish for Grant Delpit this year. Um, but I think that's sort of a safety much to your point about Thornhill, like those two safeties being like, I seem to think of as the bills, right? Jordan Poyer and um, uh, the other guy. Micah Hyde. Yeah. Micah Hyde. Thank you. Those yep. guys are good. And they have made a few Pro Bowls, but they have never been top of the market. You know, they're not Derwin James. You know, they're not that level of player. They're not uh, Jamal Adams, you know, where you're setting the market. Um, the Browns having two safeties in that mix, you know, in sort of the middle class would be, I think, exactly what this needs to be successful. So um, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what I would hope for in terms of uh, what what Grant Elpett uh, does And that makes it easy for the Browns to keep him around, which would be great um, because I think the defense can still be really, really successful without him being a superstar. Uh, you just need him to kind of be where he needs to be. Um, one thing I wanted to, to pick up from what you said, uh, I've, I've kind of been, you know, going back and forth on this. I, and I, I am, I'm more of the opinion that Donovan Peoples-Jones in 2022 was a function of target volume. And needing somebody else in the offense that can kind of do what he does, especially when Brissett was the quarterback, right? To like make those contested tight area catches. Um, You know, he was he was a little bit of Brissett's at times safety blanket. And so, I I, part of me is like he's on the the rise, and his fourth season could be even better. Part of me thinks last year was his best season because he had ninety six targets, I think it was, and I
1: don't know that he's going to see that kind of volume this year. I think that's extremely fair. I'm torn on where to go with Donovan's future because not just the arrival of Cedric Tillman, who can obviously give him a run for his money positionally, it is also Elijah Moore and an uptick of guys on the field who can catch the pass in in different ways, right? You know, you take a second tight end off the field a little bit more, you're obviously not going to spend as much time blocking with a third wide receiver versus a second tight end. So I, I just do think, I think there's a world in which Donovan can be a better player, but get less production is, is the thing I go back to because to your point, uh, his, his second year in the league, I think he led the Browns or was close to leading the Browns. And it wasn't, it was not, it was a laughably bad what they did in the passing game, but from the wide receiver position, but they didn't have anyone else. Right. And then last year it was, well, we have Amari, but we have to give somebody at X targets and, there was nobody pushing him or somebody in the slot that was like, we need to get Elijah Moore the ball. David Bell was doing that role, but there was never a thought of let's force feed the slot because we have this, like there just, there will be matchup advantages and situations they want to take advantage of with Moore in various alignments. And he played X when a reminder that like when Elijah came into the NFL with the jets, he played X uh, and that was what he was doing his rookie year. And then Garrett Wilson, of uh, four or five games into the second year took that role from him and he was pretty upset about it and that's what led to a lot of the dissension in new york so i don't know what they've told him if he's going to be slot he's going to play x they're going to move donovan long story short more mouths to feed they go from two guys at the position that you feel comfortable giving the football to or want to to now what four uh so so obviously that changes the the uh the focus here in in, in a pretty big way so like i really do believe that it is a situation where Donovan could be a better player as he get, gets better in the league, but the opportunity will reduce itself, and um, I think that that's where like a future contract for him could kind of be tricky, right? You know, Andrew. So I don't, yeah, I don't know, exactly. man. Exactly, exactly. I think that's
2: the hard thing to predict is what will his value be based on what his season looks like, because some teams might see what he did last year and say if he, we, if we give him a hundred targets, that's what he can put up, and we're comfortable paying that receiver 12 million dollars a year but i think in the browns offense in 2023 he shouldn't have a repeat of last year i I don't think to me that would not be the offense working the way in terms of deep balls and that sort of thing working the way that we want it to to work so definitely one to watch
1: fair assumption i did want to hit on tillman real quick before we moved off that point um i'm impressed I, i i do see what a lot of people have seen and they had him higher on a lot of draft boards like uh, this guy's 2021 was really good. And this is some sort of interesting piece of, of in si- is, is the same way where they had really good seasons two years before the draft. And then you have this sort of disappointing season for whatever reason, right before the draft. And does that cause you to slide down draft boards? Right. I, I think if my, my moral of the story here is if you've paid attention to Tillman enough, he had a really, really strong, Uh, junior season where he went for like 64 catches 1,081 yards and 12 touchdowns and if he had come out at that point I think it's pretty fair to think he would have been a, a relatively hot commodity he put together dominant performances against Georgia and Alabama's junior year like like there was so much to enjoy taking in that film from my perspective and then you know he comes back and then he he in the second game, no third game of the season against Akron, he suffers a nasty. Like he goes up to catch a football at an angle toward the sideline, and as he jumps and comes down, the Akron defender like lands on the outside of his ankle and bends it. And I'm like, that that had to break, like it, it, break or or get to a really really uncomfortable sprain uh, scenario there. So I'm at, more of the story to me is I'm surprised he came back at all. Like I'm, and I guess it shouldn't be that surprised because Tennessee was rolling, right? They were undefeated for a large part and I think he really wanted to be a part of that undefeated situation that they were in last year. So, it's not right. like he was coming back to some five and seven scenario. So, right. I won't get right. too much credit. But yeah. uh it, it's nonetheless impressive to me that he was able to come back fight through that and play. He was not himself. So, he was not the same guy from a change of direction perspective. Now he had a decent game against Georgia this past year uh and he had, a, he had really gave Keely Ringo who people thought was a steal in the second round. Like he gave him some some absolute battles, He gave him the business quite a few times. So I think he's, he's pretty damn good. Now, I don't know if that he, he, even if he came out at this point last year, would he, that, that wide receiver class was so much better. I still think he would have found himself into the second or third round, but there was so much positive momentum. So then this year it's it's less, he only has like 400 receiving yards. It's easy to explain uh, that away, but it certainly seems like, the Browns might have lucked into this because what I always try to do is temper expectations a little bit, because again, these are not first and second rounders. They got, these are third and you know, technically close to pretty damn close to a fourth round pick yeah. here with Ika. So you try to say those are, they are with there, but I do see a lot of really nice parts of Tillman's game uh, that I think are going to mesh up. Like, strength off the line of scrimmage he's comfortable operating against press which some guys are just not and it eats them up and it changes the amount of usage you can have in an offense So he's comfortable doing that he is uh, as far as what the routes that the traditional x in the nfl runs the linear route tree the post the go routes the the hitches the slants the square ends he's very comfortable doing all those things so there shouldn't be a crazy alternate um you know set of uh, circumstances that he learns when he comes into the nfl but he can he can track the football downfield well. He's got experience doing that, and I think he's pretty good at it. I think he's pretty good at going out and winning jump balls. He can handle that role when the when the opportunity presents itself to go up and fight over the top of somebody. And he was surprisingly pretty good in the slot when they did give him a few opportunities in there, especially down on the goal line. I thought he did pretty well. So, I I just see in a, he blocks hard. He he does give a lot of effort. And he's a big body guy, 6'3", and two two ten and some change. Like he certainly will go out and block too. So I see this being a nice basement for him like a, a basement is a functional NFL wide receiver and if he becomes the best version of himself I think he could be like uh, uh I would say I'm trying to think of the best maybe like a Mike Williams type
0: mm-hmm. like
1: uh, Mike is a bit more Mike's a pretty damn good contested catch player is really good there but I think he could be a similar type of player to that type of wide receiver so that's a that's a good result. That would be a great result for the 74th pick. So uh, I do see a way in which he could get there, but even the the baseline of it is not as it's it's nowhere near the Anthony Schwartz level of boom bust. Right. And it's, it's, it's the athleticism in and of itself makes him more enticing than David Bell, who I'm not giving up on. I think David Bell could still do some things. So Mm -hmm. uh, I, I do think Tillman made a lot of sense where they took him. I think the value was right. They expanded the age out a little bit because it was an older class in general. So, Good pick, good player, and I'm excited to see where he fits into this whole operation. So you know, you take the Tennessee slant out of it a little bit, and you don't want to feel like they were drawn in that direction because of somebody's <laughs> important influence. But I, I'm impressed. I think that the film shows a player that should be a pretty functional football player in the NFL level. So I, I think that, again, that's all you could want out of the 74th pick is a guy who, over the course of his rookie contract, can give you meaningful snaps, and I think that is – that is mm-hmm. certainly going to be something that he can do, and and I think there's a, a ceiling potential here that could be a really fun second contract player too.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I your film room really, you know, I, I Tillman with his age was not a player that I had really looked at at all pre-draft. So, you know, use the film room to kind of get up to speed with what he even looked like on the field. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm excited too. Uh, I, I think it's interesting just listening, you know, listening to you kind of explaining who he is as a player. I mean, you could potentially see a wide receiver room next year if they decide to try and save money at wide receiver. Say, say Watson becomes twenty twenty Watson again, and they say, "Well, we've got one of those guys. We don't need to pay a big time receiver. We can just roll with you know whoever because he's he's making everybody look good." Um, they could be they could go Tillman, Moore, Bell next year and, and save, you know, I mean, obviously you wouldn't be saving the DPJ money. You just wouldn't be spending it, but then you save the Cooper contract if they need to invest further, you know, somewhere in the defense, uh, whether, you know, at linebacker or safety, uh, you know, or if Grant Delpit does have that Pro Bowl year, you know, you could move money around. The point is, is that it gives them flexibility. I, I'm, I'm, I hear what you're saying, Jake, about like, just like last year, we didn't want to crown David Bell before he had taken the field for the, in the NFL. We don't want to do that with Tillman either. But they have given themselves an immense amount of flexibility at wide receiver, where going into this offseason, they had none. They had to, they had, you know, they had to be healthy, and they had really two wide receivers that they were happy to have on the field full time in DPJ and Cooper. And now they've got you know five or six guys because I didn't even mention Marquise yeah. Goodwin. And that that yeah. flexibility allows them to be more adjust the roster more next off depending on what their needs are and, and where things shake out this this year.
1: Yeah, flexibility is the the huge thing. We're going to take a quick break and then come back from the break and hit our last two topics real quick. So we'll be right back.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: All right, Andrew. Jump into topic number two.
2: Yeah, this is this is a small one, you know, and so this is classic sandwich, right? This is a sandwich situation where the number one is good, number three is good, number two is like, well, like, I, I guess that's true. Um, so it is basically, you know, the 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 um, the the pick of of the backup quarterback in round five, uh, who's Dorian Thompson Robinson. There it is. Boy, that was really slipping away from me. Um, <laughs> He he is uh, you know, that that to me tells me that this front office and coaching staff are not happy with the Peyton Manning backup theory where if Watson gets hurt, we don't care, we're screwed anyway. So we'll we'll plug Jim Sorge in back there. They want a guy, whether it's Josh Dobbs or DTR or uh the one percent chance that Kellen Mond has completely transformed himself as a player in the past two years.
1: Probably chance to people to sell their Kellen Mond stock. If you're on the island, you're, you're hanging by a thread.
2: Yeah, it's getting lonely, Yeah, maybe look for a, the next ferry. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think that it just shows that they care about that position. They are not content saying whatever, you know, sh- and shrugging their shoulders about that. They want, they want somebody that can come in, whether it's a series or a game, and keep this team solvent. You know, and I'm not expecting that Thompson Robinson would do that this year, right, as a fifth-round rookie. Um, And and so how they juggle the roster this year will be interesting, right, because it it probably is DTR as your backup and then Dobbs on the practice squad. But if Watson got hurt, Dobbs would come up and start. Um, But, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But my point is they're not content to just uh, shrug their shoulders if Watson were to get injured.
1: Yeah, I've been pretty vocal about not liking the pick, but I think when you frame it as what you're framing it and their thought process around backup quarterback, because when you do slow down and look at all of the decisions they have made, you know, trace the evidence, just Mm -hmm. spending some, some money on, uh you know guys that they Jacoby Brissett, and I know Jacoby Brissett was a little bit different because you're you're looking for a starter for a period of time but right they weren't going to let that go to the wayside so then you think about adding in Kellen Mond using a you know claiming a player that you you had to continue to pay him his rookie contract right Mm -hmm. on top of that which I believe he was he was relatively high so yeah yeah, Mm -hmm. you could have I think that's a little different than getting him on a minimum. If you had signed yeah. him on a minimum deal, so they they invest there, they keep him around all year, they pay the entire thing, and never once make him active, right? Use right. So that tells you, season. yep, mm-hmm. they, they're in uh, the minimum, interested in like seeing that whole process out and being willing to pay the money that comes with that. Right. And then to your point, they brought Dobbs back because they don't know going, they don't trust him on enough, and they weren't going to go. Into this draft, feeling like, hey, we have to go draft a quarterback. If it worked out that way, which for them, I guess it did. I don't. View, <laughs> again, we don't have to view everything the same about the Browns, right. and that's of like course. people have kind of a couple people have messaged me about that. I just don't like it. I think I would rather take shots on guys who could be at the ceiling if they hit for totally. me. At that point, they could play a position that's going to end up mattering a little bit more. But anyway, long yeah. like I've moved, we're moving past that because I feel like the listeners are tired of me saying the same things. With that. <laughs> He's here, and I, I think that the, to your point, the evidence is is really strong that they are turning over as much as they can turn over to figure out and feel comfortable with the yeah. backup in some way, shape, or form. So, yeah, that's just a, if you're adding like what the Browns think about positions and values and all of that, the evidence is really strong that they're going to continue to sort through quarterbacks behind the quarterback in case something happens to the quarterback uh, and, and we all know that you know the Carson Wentz situation is is one of many examples right a guy can just fall off the face of the earth as far as a player goes so right. a guy could right. have charges brought against him in court a guy anything could happen <laughs> to the quarterback yeah. you know anything could happen and I think that's why they're aggressive about protecting themselves and just not just saying shrug yeah. your shoulders and chase Daniel is fine right like right. they're trying right. to find exactly. a functional a functional yeah. part of this
2: yeah. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of with you, like it wasn't my favorite pick of the draft and I'm, I'm not sitting here defending it necessarily. I just, you know, it's about like, what have we learned? And I think, yeah, to your point, between Case Keenum, Jacoby Brissett, and now dra- spending a fifth round draft pick on a, on a quarterback when you have one of the most expensive quarterbacks in the league by cap, by by his cap number. Um, it just kind of tells you what, where their priorities are. And that's, it's, it's like, yeah, it is what it is. You can't really, as you said, you can't, argue with it for too long because they they did what they did and we know why they did it. So yeah. um, point three is kind of in the same vein, really. I think it's a little bit more interesting just because I think it's on Kevin Stefanski to figure out how to make this work and, and Andrew Barry to a certain extent. But but the the lesson is that Andrew Barry is not going to stop drafting uh, character concerned guys, you know, and I'm talking about Dewan Jones here. And, you know, I don't know this this sort of off the field motivation stuff. I don't know. You know how real that is. I don't know how like serious that is. I don't know how you know uh, pressing that is, but it's clear that that Andrew Barry, if he sees an opportunity to get a a player that's better than his draft slot, and it doesn't matter positionally either, right? They've got two starting tackles, and and they still went and spent their highest fourth round pick on another one. Um, you know it, he's he's going to be on the roster this year, and he's going to be, you know, a guy that um that they're hoping to develop long-term, probably into a Jack Conklin replacement on the right side uh, would be the ideal scenario. Uh, but, but yeah, it it, it proves that that uh, the Perrion-Winfrey experience last year and this year, obviously the Watson experience, none of these things have dissuaded Malik McDowell. You can add that name. None of these things have dissuaded yep. Andrew Barry from taking these sorts of swings. And it really does just come down to how Barry and Stefanski can shape the culture of this team so that they can be more like the other teams in their division, the Ravens and the Steelers, where these guys come in and all of a sudden they're model citizens. That's what they have to get to. And they're not there right now.
1: Yeah. If you were expecting them to go after, um, you know, or sorry, I shouldn't say go after, but, but avoid some of the, it's just not going to happen. It's not now there's varying levels to this. We all know that that not every situation is like Deshaun's and certainly don't want to, it's not us pointing that a guy who, Maybe doesn't love football like crazy. Like Dewan is like some some gnarly character. We're just saying yeah, it is say a football. That. It is a football character concern. So, um, the, yeah, I I think I don't really have a ton to add to this other than you are a hundred percent correct. And like you know, I we haven't heard anything about what they're doing or what their thought process is around uh, Perry on Winfrey. We have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, right. but, but but again. To to the larger point here, if a guy has some sort of red flag where there's there's a rumor that a team might have them off their draft board, maybe there's a level by which the Browns get to that with certain players. But I think if you're you're tilting the scales on uh, character uh, versus talent, I think the scales are clearly tilted pretty heavily to talent. And now does that someday bite them? Does that someday end up right. costing people jobs? Does that someday end up costing them fans of the franchise? They're they're walking the tightrope as we speak. But mm-hmm. there's no doubt that if a guy, even if he has a checkered past, they are going to to turn the stone over of figuring out can this guy help us? And to yeah. your point, which is, you know, very true, is is the culture good enough in in right. the organization to do that and i think we saw that challenged a lot mm-hmm. last year and yes. to the point that you could say hey man it's not so we'll <laughs> exactly. see if they do like bringing in the rodney McLeods who we didn't even talk about is such a great signing some of these veterans uh, that have been around great organizations and have been around really good players and some guys with checkered pass who figured it out all of that helps they need to be a market that they have largely skipped is that veteran Middle tier veteran mm-hmm. market of guys who can come in, and the Anthony Walkers are not even the best example of this because a walk is like uh, he was he was young he's still he's yeah. still a lot younger than you think he is, but my, a right. guy like McLeod is is certainly uh, up there in terms yeah. of the, like the thirty year olds, guys who just have seen life and know. And you're hoping that more of those guys can help. And, and what helps more than anything, Andrew, is winning. Some yeah. guys are not able to to maturity wise handle being in losing locker rooms; they're just not. Right. Exactly. They're just not. So, exactly. you know, the yep. Browns are walking that t- they better win as we continue to say, they mm-hmm. better win. And because winning just naturally winning brings in a, a more walk the straight line approach because you want to be a part of that. It's fun. And when something's fun, you're not going to step out of line because you want to be a part of that and make money and all of it. So yeah. that's uh, that's the danger.
2: Yeah, you know, I think, I mean, just just hearing what you just said, I think there's a a bigger conversation here that I, I don't think we have time for today, but we should we should absolutely dive into. Uh, around vet, that veteran leadership piece and then the piece about, you know, Stefanski taking them to West Virginia for the first part of training camp. That's a big deal. It's, yeah, it's a big I, deal. So I think we'll have to revisit this maybe next week on an episode and, and and kind of dive in on on how they get to where they want to be. How do they get to be like the Steelers and the Ravens in this specific way of getting people to to come in and kind of buy into the program?
1: Yep, yeah, there's a concerted effort here. You can see where they need this. Like, they know what they have. They know the pressure of the season. They know all these yes. personalities they're bringing in, like to leave and go away to it's a it's huge it's a huge mm-hmm. deal that tells you what they think they need so we will hit on that and probably go uh, into more detail with Andrew when we get him back next week so listen everybody thanks for being here good show good to- good good set of topics here in my opinion that I think we could continue to have some banter about over the weekend we'll get you a couple podcasts over the weekend at least I know Brad Ward will join me at some point uh, we'll do all we can but uh, anyway check out yesterday's beat Rider podcast which we do our introductory series to the players the Browns uh, have brought in and, and and spending time with local beat writers to talk to them about how they know them i think that's a lot of fun so go check that one out thanks to andrew for being here always appreciate his insights one of the best doing it that's why i have him on the show as often as i can and then obviously appreciate you all for stopping by have a great friday sorry about this one being a little late uh i didn't want to put out what i recorded last night because it sucked and you guys deserve better <laughs> so uh got with andrew we got it figured out so anyway appreciate you being here have a great friday we'll catch you this weekend the rounds.
3: mypatriotsupply.com